Yeah. Well, do we want to do like a? I guess we already did do our pre-conversation. Uh, yeah. Wait, hold on. Say that again. I was distracted. <laughs> so this is us in a conversation now. Open up your little document. Our little uh, pages thing that I shared with you. Yeah, I put some things in. I noticed. And by the way, I have side by side my MacBook and my iPad, and the taskbar looks exactly the same. And so this is like getting super close to having one operating system. It's it's kind of freaky. I mean, the mm. the taskbar is exactly the same. Just looking at it, the same yeah, the same coloration, the same everything. All right. Well, what's up? I'll ask you to explain that in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> It's in our show notes, so we'll get there. We'll get there in a minute. That's right. So I'm going to share with you. Uh, I'm going to send you a little text message here for you to to relish in my Mac power <laughs> user skills. Why don't you check out this video here? That if my little iPad Air will let me do it, I'm going to text you. <laughs> my MacBook just went to sleep while Audacity and FaceTime is running. But is it still recording? Yes. All right. That ding probably means that you recording. got my text. Check out the check out the video I just sent you. Oh, nice. Yeah. Isn't that clutch? Do you want to explain to our listeners what you just saw? So, and this is actually in the show notes that I wanted to talk about. <laughs> Look <laughs> the at use that. Of drag- <laughs> the use of drag and drop. Ooh. So you took, was that the Gmail app? No, I don't use the Gmail app. I use the native mail app in iOS. Uh, it's, um, this is a whole conversation in itself, but I, I have gone through a sojourn of <laughs> finding my one true mail app. And I have, uh-huh. as, as, uh, as some might say, I have gone through an entire boneyard of mail apps. Some have survived the fight, some have not. <laughs> uh, and I think the victorious one, at the end of the day, it came down to Google Inbox versus mail, as you might remember from a few months ago. Um, yeah. And that, there's a whole saga there that, that should be shared. And I think mail is victorious. However, there's still one looming problem with the mail app, which we don't have to get into right now, but I can if you, if you want to push that button. Uh, do you want to? Sure. Well, <laughs> so let's put a parenthesis on this, uh, on this drag and drop for a moment. Yeah. For those who are unaware, there are multiple mail apps that are available. And one of them that is really, really good is the native mail app on iOS. But I was, I was venturing into the world of third-party apps just because of different user uh, customizations. And the one that I landed on ultimately was Inbox by Google, uh, which is a great app, especially since I have a Gmail email address. The problem, though, that I'm facing now is Inbox by Google does not interact well with the files app or the iCloud drive. And so every time I had to do something like mail, email somebody a file from Google inbox, I couldn't attach it directly from the files app. The only attachment places was Google drive. And that was very useless to me since I live mostly on iCloud. So I decided to venture again into the mail app to weave together all of the native Apple locations. Now, the only problem that has remained for me is that the Mail app does not receive push email from Google. So Google will not push to Mail, which is incredibly frustrating. So on my phone, you will see often that I will have a notification of a new email received in Google Inbox, but not a notification received in my native Mail app. So basically, I'm using the Google Inbox app as a notification center for my Mail app. Does that make sense? Uh no, you weren't paying attention. Ex- ex- exp- explain that. Explain that. Last part. <laughs> what were you doing that you weren't paying attention to me? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to follow. 
So what I mean is, is that, and I'll take a screenshot of this and put it in the show notes. I, when you say when you say you use it as a notification center, what does that mean? Uh, so I'll I'll take a screenshot of this and send it to you later. But um, basically, I have side by side on my home screen the Google Inbox app and the Mail app. Right. And since Google does not push email to the Mail app, right, and does push email to the native Google Inbox app, I will have a floating bubble with the number one on the inbox app but not on the mail app even though I see yeah, even yeah, though yeah, yeah. I got you I, got I have you. received email right so what ends up happening is Google inbox tells me to go check my mail yeah which is very frustrating which has led me to the conclusion that I am entertaining moving completely from Gmail to iCloud to iCloud yeah but that's yeah. another that's a story for another another episode yeah 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 so anyway so yeah so this is not the Gmail app this is the uh, native mail app on this video that I sent you uh-huh so right. what were we going to say about that? So what I see you doing, <laughs> and what you are in fact doing, is taking a PDF attachment from your email and dragging it over to your split-screen PDF Expert app mm-hmm. and just dropping it in. Yeah, yeah. And it dragging was, and dropping. It was awesome. It worked really well. I don't know. <laughs> you, you said that you've had some problems with drag and drop? Yeah, and it's not with drag and dropping per se (laughs) (laughs) or dragging and drops Mm -hmm. the thing that i've really found frustrating is really just browsing you know i'm thumbing through a website and as i'm holding to drag i'm picking up things that i guess it thinks that i want to drag and drop somewhere which i do not when when you when you press and hold things what why would you press and hold something well so for example if i'm on a blog right and Mm -hmm. i'm scrolling through on my iPad, and I don't want to always just uh, release the screen, but sometimes it's a slow, a slow. Ref- like if I'm reading, for example, that's a that's a, a better example. Mm-hmm. If I'm reading, I'm scrolling slowly, and so I guess I do it too. I guess I'm a slow reader, and as I'm doing this, it thinks I want to pick it up to drop it somewhere. Because I think you have the habit of leaving your finger on the screen while you're scrolling. So I think most normal people will. Uh, <laughs> Push. I, <laughs> I think it's pretty evident. <laughs> I, think, I think most people just push the screen up and down. Uh-huh. You glide. Yeah. So you glide the screen up and down. And so by doing that, are you saying then that you force touch effectively everywhere? Yes. <laughs> That's an accurate statement. <laughs> <laughs> and then by force touching it, then I guess the operating system is thinking that you want to drag and drop. Pretty much. <laughs> So I guess I just need to learn how to do this better. Yeah, yeah. I think if you uh, take a moment and just observe how normal people use the <laughs> use the device, you'll see that most people lift their fingers. I mean, I do that too, m- most time. But when you're reading, you're so intent on reading that you, That's know, right. you really want to be you want you want to hold the book. Yeah, you can't you can't just glide, push. Oh, I'm I'm all about the glide, bro. <laughs> yeah, especially especially you know, gliding has been one of those things that has been in my mind a lot recently because since I don't have an iPad Pro, I can't use the Apple Pencil. Since uh-huh. I can't use the Apple Pencil, I have to use an uh-huh. Adonit stylus, which is really great, and I love it. It's a really good stylus, but it has one of those gliding discs, Yeah, which is nice, and it helps control my strokes. But the problem is then I start gliding over my screen, and it pushes a lot of like debris around the screen, um, uh-huh. which I'm not sure. Is that a problem that you find on the Apple Pencil? Debris? Like... Well, like screen gunk. Screen, yeah, screen gunk. <laughs> it just sort of like moves it around the screen. Yeah. Is that not a thing with the Apple Pencil? No. It might be the best device that I own. 
So you consider the Apple Pencil its own device? Oh, yeah, definitely. Say more, say more. <laughs> I've actually, so I did recently buy another Adonit stylus for my iPad Air. Is that the one that I have? Yeah, you have an Air 1. So my Air it 1. Doesn't have, uh, it doesn't have fingerprint? Right, it does not. i got to do it the old-fashioned way. Woof. Mashing those numbers. But anyway, I have really been struggling using that little Adonit because I've gotten so used to writing with my Apple Pencil. Hmm. What's the biggest difference? Palm rejection. I don't have to worry about laying my hand on my iPad when I write. Notability, for example. I can just write like normal. Whereas with the Adonit, I have to keep my wrist above so I don't make contact while I'm writing. Mm, is is that a problem? Is so, sorry, is that a feature of the Apple Pencil, or is that because you're in Notability? Because Notability has a toggle for that. In other yeah. words, can you do that with another app that's not Notability, like in the yes. in the Notes app, for example? Well, in PDF Expert, for example, I use it. So where this really comes up is when I'm annotating documents on my iPad Pro mm-hmm. or on my iPad Air. Because mm. since you're syncing across iCloud, you're accessing the same PDF on two different yeah. devices, one of which can yep. host uh, the Apple Pencil. Yes. Interesting. And I did a, a fun little thing. I changed the size and slightly the color of my highlights, depending on device, so I know where I've annotated. Huh. That's clever. I like that. Do you find that you're annotating often between the two devices? You don't have like a dedicated PDF annotating device? Well... No. I have a dedicated reader, which is the iPad Air. So I keep all my books downloaded on that device. I don't really have any other apps on there. It doesn't do Safari. It doesn't do web browsing at all. I turned off messages on the iPad Air. Any distractions are are gone. And so it's just a dedicated reading and writing device. So I can take it to the library, for example, and not have to worry about being distracted by texts on that device. Now, so I am appreciative of that sort of multi-iPad lifestyle where you have a dedicated device. My, my question is, why, why don't you just exploit the Do Not Disturb? Because it's easy to turn off. <laughs> oh, I see. You know what I realized, though, is that the default setting for Do Not Disturb on the iPad is uh-huh. you set Do Not Disturb, and it means don't disturb me when I'm on lock screen. Yeah. But I realized that you can change that. And it could be at any time. So when I'm using the iPad now, I don't get any texts. Or I do get them, but they don't give me banners, uh-huh. which changes my whole interaction with the device. Hmm, interesting. So like, I'll be reading on my iPad, because that's my dedicated PDF editor, and uh, I won't get any banners. And the moment that I go to the home screen or I drag up the, the taskbar, I'll see that you've texted me or something. Yeah. So what do you use your iPad Pro for, if not for editing PDFs? So in class, I find that the split screen, it's easier to write handwrite notes on the iPad Pro. And so I like the layout of PDF Expert side-by-side with Notability, so I can read and annotate by hand uh, on a separate document. Mm-hmm. And, I th- and I find the, the proportions on the Pro to be conducive for that. It's like two upright iPad Airs. So you're, you're on the 12.9? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the big one. Mm-hmm. Or the normal-sized one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everything else is mini. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> It's like if you make double-stuffed Oreos, regular Oreos, <laughs> regular Oreos, Oreos light. That's right. Life all of a sudden makes more sense. No, that's good. That's good. No, I, I would love to be able to have the pencil, uh, and I'm struck that you are saying that it is your favorite Apple device. Did you want to say more about that? Well, I think it just works, you know, and that's the other thing about it. It doesn't do anything that I don't want it to do because there's only one thing that you can do with it. Navigate and write and draw. <laughs> Although I have heard that you can't use it on your phone. 
That's correct. So it seems like in terms of workflow, that shouldn't be a problem, but I can imagine myself, like either with my phone or with my watch, you know, randomly wanting to tap it because my, my, my pencil is in my hand. Does that ever happen to you? Uh, no. Uh, that's not happened to me. I will say that I sometimes have the desire, and this was another reason why I went ahead and got this new Adonit stylus for my uh, other devices, mm-hmm. because sometimes I am out on the road or whatever, and I don't want to take out my iPad Pro, mm-hmm. and I want to make a little sketch or something, so I can... So you take out your rather, iPad, iPad Lite? No, I use my phone. <laughs> oh, I see. I use my phone, and so rather than... I would use, I used to just use my finger, which is... It works okay, but... It gets a little tiresome drawing with a big sausage. <laughs> <laughs> Hot dog fingers. <laughs> yeah. And so having that other stylus that works for my phone and for the iPad Air has been has been useful not just for annotating but for, you know, everyday uses like being able to draw and not having to worry about whether it's charged. <coughs> That's the only downside to the pencil. Oh, you have to charge it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The the good thing about the pencil is that you can plug it in for seconds and it'll give you enough charge for a few minutes. So if you do want to just write out something very quickly, you can plug it in, wait ten seconds, and then do what you got to do. Hmm. Um, but for a longer period, you gotta you gotta leave it in for a little while. What's the what's the uh, battery life on the uh, pencil there? You know, I don't know off the top of my head. No, that's probably good because that means you've never run into a problem. Yeah, and it'll stay charged for a while. Yeah, that's the same That's the same thing with the, the Apple Watch. I'm finding that the Apple Watch has a really great battery life. Probably the best of any device that I've used. I don't have to charge it but every couple of days, but I choose to just to leave it charged on my on my nightstand because there's a nightstand mode on the Apple Watch that if you turn it on its side and leave it charging, it turns into a nightstand clock. Yeah, um, that's cool. Yeah, and it's, it's really nice. And so it gives you a motion-censored watch face that will turn on if you sort of like wave your hand at it or if you knock anything near it. So it'll tell you what time it is in the middle of the night, which is, which is pretty cool. Well, let's, uh, let's return back here to some of our show notes, some of the things we wanted to talk about today. We sort of just ended up talking about a lot of our tech setup and the things that we, the things that we use. Um, which is good. And speaking of which, there's been some major tech updates uh, recently in our life. I, I think it's safe to say that both of us are, are Mac users, are Apple users. I, th- I think that's safe to say, yeah. All right, so let's talk about some of these tech updates. What's, uh, what's been going on, Jonathan, in the world of Mac? Well, iOS 11 has been pretty huge. We already talked about the drag-and-drop features, which, honestly, I don't use as much as I thought that I would. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. that'll change in mm-hmm. the future mm-hmm. when I get more comfortable with the... When I learn how to navigate websites using my thumb. Yeah, you say websites, <laughs> but I, I, I think you mean phone. How to, how to use the phone. Yeah, how to use the phone. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how to do that, if I'm, if I'm being honest. That's okay. It's a growing edge. <laughs> yeah, and I think the, the other main change, in my view, to the iOS has been the use of the dock. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mentioned that at the beginning of the episode. What, what's your take on the dock? Uh, well, I still haven't found what I'm comfortable with. <laughs> you haven't found what you're looking for. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right now, I just have... They're not random apps. They're the ones that I use the most often. Mm-hmm. Okay, hold on. This, this gets to a good question. So your, your dock, it lives on both your iPad Air and on your iPad Pro. Yes. So this raises a question. Is your dock set up the same on your Pro and on your Air? Well, it can't be because my Air doesn't have a lot of the apps that my Pro has. Oh, interesting. Because Safari, Safari for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I think this conversation would be best if we shared a little bit of a screenshots maybe of our... Oh. Should we do that? Now, this is 
a little tricky because, as I mentioned, my iPad Air does not text. So what I've been doing is taking a, taking a screenshot and airdropping it to my iPad. <laughs> <laughs> that is literally dumb. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I've shared with you my Air 2, and you shared with me your uh, iPad Pro. And there's my iPad Air. Oh, cool. Ah, your iPad Air is much nicer than your Pro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the one row of icons I like better. Well, yeah, I think your one row of icons is really good. So my, my initial reactions to your home screen there is I, I like the central app in the top row of all of everything else. What does it say? Stochastic? Stochastic. It means random things. Okay, I like that. I also, maybe this is something that you didn't intend, but I really like that your your background is all white, which means that your YouTube app, your music app, and your like Infinity Folder app, they bleed into see, your background. Yeah, they're basically see-through. Was that intended? Yeah, and uh, looking at it now, I'm wondering if I should put up Dropbox and Files just to complete the theme. Yeah, I think that uh, that makes a lot more sense, is if you take Kindle and Overcast down and put Files, Dropbox, Instapaper, or photos, any number of those you could put on your home screen. Um, yeah, I like this setup way more than your Pro. Why did you choose to go two rows on your Pro? There's no good reason <laughs> at all. Yeah, what's on your right-hand screen? Ooh, here's another thing that I'm a little upset with. After the iOS 11 update, they turned back on automatic downloading to other devices. Can you turn it off? Yes. I just have to do that with all of my devices, and I've forgotten. So is there, is there a number of apps that have re-downloaded that are on your right-hand screen that you didn't expect? Yes. I see. <laughs> I see. Yeah, so I have to go in and manually turn that off and... Um, delete some of those apps? Delete the apps, yeah. Well, good. No, I mean, I, I, like, I, I certainly like your iPad Air one more, but you're right to say that one of your apps, one of your iPads is for a particular purpose, so it doesn't seem like you need, you don't need notability on your iPad Air, so that's not on your dock. You don't need, uh, what else is different here? It seems like you do have a lot of the same ones. You have To-Do, you have Bear, you have PDF Expert. Why are you yeah. saying that they're set up differently for different purposes if they're kind of the same? Well, it's mainly, so I do have Kindle on my iPad Pro, but that's just in case I need it. I don't really ever open it. Yeah, and it's in no, it's not even in a dominant location. Yeah, it's just not something that I use on that device. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, actually, one of the things that I found interesting about your setup is that, and I realize that this is something about my home screen that perhaps you would want to comment more on, is the lack of apps. Yeah. <laughs> how, how have you been liking that? Well, the dock, the dock has changed the game in that, from within apps, I can launch apps. So the central question here is, how do you launch apps? And that's the that's sort of the the, the meta question that the person yeah. the user has to answer is, how do you yeah. launch apps? Yeah. And I launch apps from either the dock or from Spotlight. There's just yeah. no other place for me to go to launch an app. Like I'm not I'm not going to go navigate a folder and right. see if I can find. There's too many. That's too many clicks. Right. Well, that's why I have the one in infinity folder, as you called it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in your one infinity folder, do you do you navigate into that and you find things? No. Or do you spotlight? Never. never. I almost exclusive. Even for, uh, if I'm at my home screen, even for things that are there and easily accessible, either on the dock or on the on the screen itself, I still use spotlight. Hmm. Again, yeah. it raises the question, then why do you have them on your... <laughs> uh, I don't know. Especially considering how much you would appreciate a blank canvas that you yeah. could play with instead of having... Because here, here's one of the big problems with iOS that they still won't eliminate the grid. That uh -huh. if you have apps, they are defaulted to a particular grid. And I don't like that because, for example, your, your Nightwing background is being obscured by Keynote and Dropbox. Yeah. 
and you can't do anything about that. Right. So either you eliminate that row of icons, or you're okay with your background just being in the background. Yeah. Which, knowing you, or even just what I would do, for me, the background, I would rename it as wallpaper. Wallpaper, I want to see the wallpaper. You following me? Yep. What's on your mind? You seem distracted again. <laughs> I just put all my things on the second screen. This is, this is very, it's very obvious when you're working on something else while I'm talking, because <laughs> you don't react at all. <laughs> this is supposed to be a conversation. And <laughs> not you working on other things while we're trying to have a conversation. Goodness me. Oh, is that how this works? Yeah, this is how this works. <laughs> so I'm glad that you have conceded that my home screen is better. <laughs> yeah. No, I like it. Do you have anything to say about my home screen? Um, so you're still doing <laughs> sort of the non-image gradient thing. I guess this goes to different personalities, you know. I like having usually comic book images up where you go for the... Yeah, I, and this is also true on my on my phone. Uh, and um, I, the only thing that I have... Are they all is, the same? No. My iPad has two different gradients. So the, the purple one is on the home screen, but then the lock screen, it's a gradient, but it has a bit of the... It's the one that kind of looks like it's ripples in uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, in a canvas, um, and then on my on my phone, it's a little bit different as well. Yeah, I like it. It, it doesn't. These obst- are all the Apple defaults. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't obstruct uh, the vision. But now that you're right, I mean, now that it's an open canvas, I might I might start pursuing some more some more graphic images. I uh, I also noticed that you don't take advantage of the full 13 app on the dock. <laughs> Why would you do that? Because you can. You can have 13 apps down there. Yeah. Well, the problem I have with that is that the the more you the more you build into the dock, the smaller the icons get, and also there aren't as many apps as 13 that I regularly use. Mm-hmm. So for me, the dock is the place where I put things that I need to often throw into split screen mode. That's that's yeah. the purpose of the dock. Right. So we'll see. I mean, as iOS 11 becomes more mainstream, as I start working with it more, maybe we'll see on our next episode how our home screens change. Yeah. Very good, man. Well, what else can we talk about? You have here, how do I know it's time to upgrade? What do you mean by that? Yeah, this is kind of the question that I've been talking to you about off air a lot is I, I, I'd be interested to know what is what is the time, like what, what are the variables that, that people consider to be the most weighty of variables for deciding when it is to replace a device. Yeah, what would you consider to be the most important variable? Yeah, that's kind of my question. I, <laughs> <laughs> I or what's a, well, Okay, maybe we shouldn't jump there. What's a variable that we should be thinking about? <sighs> yeah, um, yeah, so for me, my setup right now is that I have a 2011 MacBook Pro and an iPad Air 2 and an iPhone SE. Uh, which is great. I like the SE and I like the iPad Air 2, but now that I'm in school again, I'm finding that I want my whole workflow to be on mobile. And so this brick of obligation that I carry with me, the MacBook, you know, it's it's six years old and I just find that Mac OS is not more not as intuitive as iOS 11. So there's something about the change of frame of reference of like workflow that is kind of a deal breaker that I would want to eliminate. But then there's the obvious like mechanical things like is is my MacBook slower than it normally is? Is it? And most of those things are just kind of qualitative. I can't really tell yeah. all the time. What would be deal breakers for you? So for me, I don't really mind generally speaking upgrading immediately. You know, I'm not talking just, iOS. I'm not talking OS. I'm talking hardware. Oh, hardware. I got gotcha. you. Um, yeah, it's usability. You know, if if a thing becomes unusable. Like my MacBook that I'm recording on right now, I haven't plugged it in for a year because it's sitting here plugged in on 0%. Hmm. 
So for you, battery life. Well, that and it's slow as hell when I try to use it. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you know it's slow? Yeah, I guess you need other things to compare it to. Mm-hmm. So like, I know my iPad Air is slow because I've got my iPad Pro to compare it to. Mm-hmm. And really, everything is compared to my iPad Pro. So even my Mac Mini, I've just outed myself with how many devices I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the whole purpose of this. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know that my Mac Mini is even getting a, lo- a lot slower because it takes a lot longer for apps, the same apps to open there. And I realize they're much more robust on the desktop version a lot of times, but a lot of that stuff I don't really care about. Yeah, I guess I guess the thing for me is that it seems like most of the consideration about replacing a device has to do with projected calculations of failure rates. So like the possibility of a device failing in the future is seems to be what motivates most people to change. Saying yeah. like, yeah, the thing works right now, but it might not work as well in a few months. So I might as well just change it now. Yeah. Is that operative for you? Yeah. Let's say hypothetically you're beginning a new graduate degree program. Hmm. <laughs> Hypothetically. And you've got a 10-year-old MacBook. Mm -hmm. And you know that you're going to spend a lot of time doing general student-like things. Are you going to trust that 10-year-old MacBook to keep going when you really need to get that paper done? Right. I have a hard time trusting that device. Do you have a lot of experience with crashes? (laughs) No, because I don't use this old crappy computer. (laughs) (laughs) So for you, one crash is too many. Yeah, even the threat of a crash is enough for me to hesitate. Right, and so what's, I guess for me, what is the... As Bruce Wayne said, if there's even a 1% chance, (laughs) we have to take it as an absolute. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's fair. Now, so my question for you is, what is, is there a numeric value to like how long you, you start to consider that threat to be more of a motivation to change? Tell me what you mean by that. I guess I mean it like is after one year. So you always have the threat of a crash from day yeah. one. So True. the question True. is, what at what point, how many months, years, weeks, days, after you've purchased the new device, is that threat now high enough to where it outweighs the cost of replacing the device? Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. At what point does that threat become... The point of no more, return, yeah. Yeah, when does that become more present? And also, when does it become more expensive to live with that threat than it is to spend another $2,000 on a device? Right. I wonder if it has to do with... So, for example, presently, I have much more stable alternatives, which is why I don't use my MacBook. So I wonder if the, the point is when alternatives become available. But that's not good enough because in the Mac world, that's every year. Yeah, well... Right? I mean, there are plans that exist for people to upgrade their iPhones on a yearly basis. Yeah, that's true. But I think that's more cosmetic. The iPhone changes? Yeah, because they do, ha- they do increase... Okay, they do increase their processing. They do increase their video and display retinas and et cetera. Um, <laughs> Whatever. I, iPhone right. 10, et cetera. iPhone 10, yeah, et cetera. Uh, but I'm rocking the iPhone SE, and I love it. Yeah, it's still great. And that device still is, works. what, three years old, four years old? Yeah, and mine's bent in half, and it still works. <laughs> <laughs> to say that it's bent in half is a little generous. <laughs> I think your device is split in half. Yeah, it has been cloven and twined. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's right, yeah. I think you have to worry about things getting inside of your device. Literally getting inside your device. It's ruin has been smote upon the mountainside. <laughs> you, you, you smote it. <laughs> so, totally. the, yeah. so the SE is what, four years old? Uh, something like that. 
Okay, so if the SE is four years old, but my, let's say my MacBook is six years old, what, I mean, maybe that's a good question. Could I foresee myself having my SE for another two years? Yeah. So and maybe the answer I, is no. Yeah, maybe. I wonder, now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> and not working on something else. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wasn't working on anything before that. I wonder if it has to do with the more and more you are engaged in the Apple ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So at what point will the mail app, for example, or Pages or FaceTime stop working on older devices? And they tell you in the updates. They'll say, you know, this is supported by iPad Air 2 and later. Maybe that's the gauge that you start looking at how long can you go theoretically. That might not be a set amount of time either. Well, yeah, I mean, so as long as I, as long as long Apple is consistent consistently updating that device, then it seems like keeping that device is worthwhile. Could be. I mean, if it works well, if you are able to use it, and it, yeah, if you're productive with it, and that you see no need to change, you know, we don't have the luxury of just spending money on the latest, greatest shiny thing. Mm -hmm. And so for us, it really becomes what is useful, and how do I use this thing to, to the best of my ability and its ability? Mm-hmm. You know, am I gonna am I gonna waste the things that I've been given? <laughs> right, and on some level, I feel like I would love an iPad Pro, but I think that I, I still struggle with this just because my MacBook. I'm currently using it, and I upgraded it to Mac OS Sierra, whatever High Sierra, High C. High Sierra. High C. Yeah, yeah, the high C O Sierra. Uh, yeah, I updated it and it seems fine. You know, I don't know. I could talk about this forever. I have no idea what to do with this. This is so expensive to change. Yeah. Oh goodness. Okay, so why don't we wrap up? Okay. Um, how do you want to do that?